And we're in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be covering verses 1 through 31. We'll read several of them. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight. And neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. I'm going to stop there because that rascal never gets any airtime. All right? There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Y'all remember Ananias? The answer is no. Right? The only Ananias we remember is the one from a couple weeks back who is no longer with us, right? Uh, who was married to Sapphira. This is a different Ananias. His name does mean the same thing, though, which is that God is gracious. Thankfully, we have a little redemption on that name here. So I want to zoom out, then we'll zoom back in. We're going to, if you'll remember, the way this story falls in line, this is the first of three conversion stories we have of the man named Saul who is converted to the man named Paul. This is the first of three. Now there's a reason it is where it is in the story. So the story has been progressing. Jesus says, Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? So what is happening is it's not just an expansion of geography, but it's an expansion of ethnic borders. It's, it's an expansion of mental borders. It's an expansion of racial reconciliation, ethnic reconciliation. So when Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, he's saying, what used to be confined to Jerusalem is now going to be available to the whole world, which means all nations. The word nations, the Greek word ethnos, is where we get that word. It's where we get the word ethnicity. So he's not talking about all the geographical borders. He's talking about everybody is now welcomed into this family. All right? Y'all with me? So the first real instant of this is uh, the reversal, or we'll call it the redemption is where we landed. The redemption of Babel, what had divided the ability to communicate, was some, in a, in a way, united at Pentecost, Right? And all these people, Parthians, Mede, Elamites, were hearing uh, God worshipped all with this tongue. That's where the gift of tongues fell. Uh, later on, we see a lame man who was something of an outcast outside the temple, uh, begging for alms. And Peter and John say, hey, we don't have any money on us, but we do have. We'll give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He does. He joins them in the temple, causes a stink. They wind up in jail. So you got a lame man who's now welcomed into this fold. So we got 
All the nations are hearing this, so there's some walls being broken down. This lame man who was an outcast is now healed, made a part of this thing. Stephen comes onto the scene. Stephen gets stoned, right? Because of the persecution of Stephen, the church is scattered into Samaria. Y'all remember the story about Samaria last week? That was a hot topic, right? So the church is in Samaria preaching the gospel. The church is ministering to eunuchs who did not have access to the temple, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. So you see all these all these boundaries and borders being knocked down. Now, along with these massive conversion stories, we had this conversion story of this man who just a couple chapters ago was standing and approving of the murder of one of our brothers named Stephen. This man is named Saul. The men who stoned Stephen laid their coats at the feet of this man, Saul. Saul observes Stephen saying, God, do not hold this charge against them. So basically, Stephen pardons all of those who had done wrong. All of those who are murdering him, Stephen says, uh, I'm not pressing charges. That's literally what he said. They're killing him. And he yells to God, the one who could have vindicated him with justice. God, I'm not pressing any charges. Let him, let him off the hook. And then he is received into heaven. All right? After this, uh, the church sort of explodes with growth. And now you have this man, Saul, who is headed to Damascus with... Uh, really state permission to arrest anybody he finds who's participating in the way, which is followers of Jesus. So he's got state rights, like he, he's approved, state-sanctioned power to go and arrest anybody who's following the way. On his way, we don't know if he's riding a horse, the story goes, this fellow's knocked off his horse. No horse mentioned here in Acts 9, right? But we know he's walking, he's got some folks with him, and all of a sudden, Boom, he gets hit with this light. And he hears this voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who? Me. It's important for us to see this before we move on. This is a huge statement. Saul was persecuting the church. Jesus said Saul was persecuting him. Saul is the one who we get language in 1 Corinthians later on in his life where he says that the church is the body of Christ. This is where he received this revelation. All right, it'll be important for us in the future. And he's blinded, and all of a sudden, verse 10, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord says to Ananias, Ananias, that's a good way to get his attention. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, you can imagine. And this is a brand new movement. This Christianity, the way, is a brand new thing. Word has spread quickly to Ananias about this man named Saul, who just approved of the murder of one of the highest-ranking members of this movement. Now he hears Saul's on his way to Damascus. Not only is Saul on his way to Damascus, but Ananias is getting word from the Lord. Ananias, 
Go to Saul. Go to who? He's got state-sanctioned power to, at the very least, arrest me. He killed Stephen. And all Stephen did was preach a really good sermon. Y'all still riding with me? But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul. Notice that. We're going to come back to that. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after eating a little bit, notice, he's still in a body that needs some grocery. He regained his strength. This is not in the sermon notes. I just want to let you know right quick. Sometimes you just need a snack. <laughs> That's all that's wrong with you. All right. Coming back. A Snickers. Sometimes we're making stuff spiritual. They like Paul just gets de- like knocked down by God himself, talked to by Jesus, doesn't eat for three days. You'd think like, and the first thing, you're going to have to have something to eat, get your strength back. Like, God can't get my strength back? No. You in a body. God was doing the work to your spirit. I won't harp on that for too long. All right, so here we are with Ananias, and this is where I want us to be right quick to to get into this story. Can you imagine your enemy, the one who is literally coming to your town to potentially arrest you and everybody like you? You get word from God that this man is the one whom you are supposed to go lay hands on, and heal. This fits into this, these incredible conversion stories where these followers of the way are obedient to commands to defy relational barriers. Notice what God is doing is always making us cross over these overwhelming relational barriers so that his kingdom can come. Now, Saul is picked for a reason. Saul is worshiping God, the God of Israel, as best as he knows how. And the biggest threat to Israel right now, to him, is these heretics called the way. And the only way I'm going to be able to take care and protect my people, according to Saul and his way of thinking, is i got to knock these people out. They are an ideological threat. All right? Now, currently, we are aware of the power of ideological threats. Are you all aware of that? Our current wars in our culture are still over ideologies. The current fears about sending children to public schools is... What are they going to be teaching, right? Ideology is a big deal. Saul sees that it's a big deal. It is affecting a people. And so his way of combating it is 
we'll silence all of them. All right? Saul's being obedient to God as best he knows how. Now, here's a few details we need to know leading up to Saul's conversion. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was killed by the same people who sanctioned Saul's arresting privileges. Okay? I want you to see the story. Jesus Christ is crucified. Now, thankfully, on this part of the story, he's already been crucified, buried, and resurrected. But also, Stephen, who Saul was overseeing, is killed, stoned to death. The story I just shared with you. And then Ananias must subject himself to potential imprisonment to remain obedient to God. These are all the ingredients stirring before Saul's conversion. Now I want you to notice where Christianity or the way sits in the category of all these things. This group over here has power and domination and military might and stake-sanctioned imprisoning access. And this group over here is dying. Which is the more powerful group? Usually when we want to combat ideologies, guess what group we get with? This one. Over here. I know how we'll do it. We'll buy more guns. We'll buy more ammo. We'll start building bigger fences. We'll start forming a militia. This group over here, they're dying. Uh Uh-oh. I don't want to be in the dying group. But here's the thing the dying group is teaching us. That death doesn't have the final word. The one who continues the mission of Stephen is the very one who killed him. Ananias has to subject himself. He has to go in as the one without power. Yet, guess what he possesses? All the actual power. There is immeasurable power functioning and moving within this movement. But this power, watch this, is being used to heal. It's being used to deliver. It's being used to reconcile relationships. In stark contrast to the state-sanctioned power of imprisonment that Saul had, Ananias who had simply taken whatever posture it was to receive a vision from God, now holds the power. He's got the cards. And all he did was sit there. Somehow he received the vision. Now he holds the cards. The leading terrorist that is attacking the way is now dependent on Ananias for his own healing and salvation. And all Ananias did was join this team. And the power had been reversed. What looked like power over here, you know what it actually was? 
fear. These some bees were afraid. Some bucks is the bee. Some of guns. How you say it? Uh, these rascals over here were afraid. These rascals over here knew that they had nothing to fear. Remember a few weeks ago, we ended with this statement. While Stephen was being stoned, and he tells God, I don't want to press charges. Stephen was not letting Saul off the hook. We said Stephen was what? He wasn't letting Saul off the hook. He was somebody in this church is remembering some sermons except me. Thank you, Philip. He was putting him on it. And here's where we see him get reeled in. It looks like he, looks like he got away with it. Not only did they kill this threat, but he didn't even hold the charge against them. And they go away forgetting. And Stephen had got them. The goodness of God has done hooked old terrorizing Saul. And he's on his way to persecute some more of these rascals, just like he did Stephen. And boom! Got him. He was reeled in. You you wait, Rusty? Here's what we got to see. Now, it's about to get good. So if y'all been asleep, that was the alarm to wake up, because this is about to get good. Here's our foundation of what Saul is being initiated into. A God who died for his enemies instead of killing them. The Holy Spirit being poured out to redeem the divisions of Babel. The lame man being joined by God's people. The God of mammon being put in its rightful place. Y'all remember all those stories we talked about? Acts 2, Acts 4. When God's enemies tried to persecute the followers of the way, the persecution led to even more barriers being torn down. Samaria was now welcomed into the family. Ethiopia was now welcomed into the family. A eunuch was now welcomed into the family. And now the one that's attacking the people themselves has been hit. And here's what we learn. Saul is a picture of this message. Saul said in 1 Corinthians 15, we have access into Saul's life better than we do anybody else's. So we're going to just dive off into that over the next couple weeks. Saul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I labored more abundantly than everybody. But it wasn't me. It was the grace that had been given to me. All right, there's one story. Check out this one in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Y'all hold tight, because it's about to get good. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Starting in verse 12. 
This is Saul talking here. He says, I'm grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. Some of your translations will say of who I am chief. But for that very reason, I received mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. Saul is now the poster of this message. What is the message? The chief opposer has been welcomed in. Here's why that's good news for us. Because we have been the chief opposer. The beautiful thing about what God has revealed in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ's revelation through people like Saul is that he can take all of the iniquity, all the sin, all the things we were doing contrary to him and actually turn it into something good and redemptive and beautiful. Saul is set on the mission to be the one who actually goes as the, the, the tip of the spear for the followers of the way. The reason he's doing that is because he is aware, I was the worst of all of us. I was literally killing them. Not only was I literally killing them, but God sent one of them to come and heal me and tell me the good news. Jesus was Lord. <laughs> and everybody knows about this rascal. The chief priest trusted him enough to give him governmental power to arrest people. He's the one overseeing state-sanctioned murder. This joker got some power. And we find out here in just a minute, Saul's conversion is so radical, he goes and starts proclaiming the gospel, and then he starts getting persecuted by the boys he used to run with. This is in the same chapter. Thankfully, the system of justice we desire to use on our enemies was not God's system of justice used on us. Thankfully, as we killed Jesus, he says to the judge, I'm not pressing charges. Well, here's the thing. If we don't know that we've been forgiven, we don't love. That was one of the things I loved the most about working in the rehab is because uh, culturally, we, they had, the people who were going through that process had been so like culturally judged, they knew that their actions were wrong because the culture said, hey, you're bad. And so when they started getting the revelation that God was for them, 
and that all that he had was theirs, just like it was everybody else's, they loved. Here's our deal. We, too, were guilty. We, too, have failed. We, too, have been Hateful, spiteful, greedy, selfish, malicious, gossipers, liars, backbiters. This is who we have been. And here's Jesus saying, I don't hold this charge against you. The picture we see in Saul, this conversion is, those who have been forgiven much are able to love much. He had been pardoned so much there was no way he was going to turn back. Why would you not pick this guy? We are able to give the forgiveness we have received. What Saul realized is he had dedicated his whole life in the wrong direction. And when God turned him, he was able to dedicate his whole life in the right one. Now here's where we got to be. We got to see. Not only has God forgiven me, but he keeps on forgiving me. So, that being said, I want to take our time now to silently confess our sins to God. The reason we do this is because I don't want us to see, oh man, I am so bad. Because that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to see what we have actually done or not done. And then allow the forgiveness and pardon of God to actually empower us to go and forgive in the same way that we've been forgiven.